Catholic Church scandal. Got some really interesting texts. Um, maybe we'll get to those a little bit later. Yeah, and we ought to get a little more into what it says about human beings and bureaucracies and the rest of it. Yeah, but, um, yeah. So one of the hottest topics around America and, and certainly on the West Coast in recent years has been policing um, uh, justifiable force. Uh, police involved shootings, that sort of thing. And, um, and, and certainly, like most public arguments, this one veers wildly uh, between extremes. But somewhere in the middle, I think, is a really healthy and productive discussion about uh, the way uh, citizens interact with police and, and, and police doing what they do effectively. Um, and Sacramento Police Chief Daniel Hahn joins us. The, the chief is uh, part of implementing a new uh, policy for chasing suspects, foot pursuit uh, policies. Um, and uh, he's with us now. Chief Han, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Good. Hey, do I understand correctly that you were first inspired to be a, a police officer by uh, encountering one? Uh, I did encounter several, but that <laughs> didn't inspire me to be one, no. <laughs> no, but it was it was part of the story, wasn't it? It is. I was arrested when I was 16 for assault on an officer. And, wow. And, and, now that's an interesting story. Yeah, and 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 how how just give us the the short version of how that ended up with you being a, a career uh, police officer. Uh well, I didn't play a whole lot into it. Um I was arrested when I was 16 after I got into an argument with my mom and the police were called and ultimately I was arrested and taken to juvenile hall. But I became a police officer about 2 years later. I applied when I was 18, kind of by accident, just merely because it paid more money than I was making at Florin Mall at the time. Mm, that's a beautiful and, story. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, 9 years after being a police officer, I decided I wanted to stay that I could do some of the things that I wanted to do and work in the community that I didn't even realize police officers could do. Well, obviously you had, uh, you know, some respect for law and order if you're going to go the direction of police. How'd you end up in a beef with a with a cop? Was it a bad cop or were you a bad yes. kid at that point? Uh, probably a little bit of both. So I was acting like a knucklehead, like I often did. And uh, my mom called the police and I was all worked up. And he didn't handle it the best way he could either. So I would say it's both. Although my mom uh, made sure I believed it was my fault. See, this uh, this is what bothers me sometimes when people go way, way back in people's lives and try to discredit them with something they tweeted when they were 16 or mm. a scrape they got in when they were 17. I mean, there are so many really, really good people that are still diamonds in the rough or you know, still not quite formed and, and, and become really good, productive people. But yeah, anyway, this is kind of a story. I'm glad we talked about that. Yeah, well, on the things that you, the way things work in society now, it's so much more public what you do at the age of, you know, teenage years than it was when we were kids. And so it, it just can get out so much further than it could when we were all kids. And, you know, someday maybe we could talk about giving people a second chance in criminal justice reform and that sort of thing. I think it'd be a worthwhile chat. But we wanted to talk to you about the uh, the change in uh, policy in the Sacramento Police Department about foot pursuits. I learned recently, to my surprise, that um, foot pursuit policies are still fairly rare in police departments across the U.S. So tell us about um, the, what you're doing and, and why it's changed. Yeah, I, I think any good organization constantly evolves and looks for new ways and new policies, new training, new equipment. And as society changes, um, that's only uh, a natural good thing to do. And so, yeah, uh, foot pursuit policies are not extremely common. There are some departments that had some before we implemented ours a few weeks back, but it really is just 
uh, policy that tells officers what to be considering when they initiate or continue or decide to terminate a pursuit. And that's what is the person wanted for? What danger do they currently pose to the community? For example, are they just running from a car because they have expired registration? Although I will say a lot of times when we chase people, it ends up being much more than what we originally had. Um, but like, for example, are they running down the street shooting people or harming people, or are they just running from expired registration? There's a difference there. And then uh, the other big consideration is what is the danger of, of chasing them? Are you extremely tired because you just ran 12 blocks? Are you by yourself? Are you going into unknown areas? Are you going into a, you know abandoned buildings, things like that, that pose a danger to everybody? You know, I read the article in the Sacramento Bee about the policy, and I I was a little mystified by it. I get what you're saying. You've got to weigh a bunch of different things, but are you just asking officers to think hard about the judgment calls they make in foot pursuits? Uh, Because a concrete policy is practically impossible. Every stop is different. Yeah, that's why they're, that's why it gives a list of things that they're supposed to consider. There is no definite, you will not chase somebody unless it's, Right. You because know, every situation is different. You could never create a policy like that that would cover everything. Um, but yes, it does uh, require officers to think, just like just about every one of our other policies. I mean, the bottom line is officers' job is really, really tough. And uh, there's some circumstances that they get into that, you know, are really difficult to do. But this is very similar to our vehicle pursuit policy that we implemented probably 15, 20, 25 years ago. Very similar to that. And some of the same things I hear now were said about the vehicle pursuit policy. And those things just never came to fruition. Um, people, you, you don't hear about people just getting away because police officers don't chase people in vehicles anymore because that's not what the policy says. But I do believe our city is much more safer in vehicle pursuits now than they were when I first came on, and I think this will do the same thing. You know, we were kind of um, negligent in not pointing out that some of this soul-searching, correct me if I'm wrong, is in the wake of the shooting of Stefan Clark and some of the uh, unrest in the city? Sure. Anytime something happens, you should be looking at yourself to see how, if, if there's any ways that you could um, do things better in the future to prevent things like that. Well, yeah, because you don't want uh, you don't get the death penalty for breaking into people's houses, and you, so you don't want it, it to turn into that sort of thing. If somebody gets right. cornered and everybody's jumpy and it's dark and all that sort of thing, yeah, yeah I, I just think that's the responsible thing to do. You should always be looking at ways that you could get better if that's possible. Yeah, it's this was tough because Jack and I. I don't know how familiar you are with the show. We're not on quote unquote one side or the other on this. We're we're of a libertarian bent. We think that the power of the government ought to be exercised with great care and concern for the civil rights of all citizens. On the other hand, policing is a hell of a tough and dangerous job, and you guys head in when everybody else is heading out. Um, when we were looking at the Stefan Clark incident, uh, which I think all parties agree was tragic, um, it was such a tough one. Dark. Crimes had been committed. Uh, I assume, and I know you can't talk in detail about it, but I assume the cops were asking the person to surrender, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, are there any principles that applied to that situation that you're dealing, you're looking at specifically right now that you've addressed specifically? Well, there's a lot of things we've done even before that shooting and after that shooting to to address similar things. But yeah, I can't speak specifically to that because the investigation isn't completed yet. But I will say this: 
on a daily basis and a nightly basis, literally every single day, there's multiple pursuits in our city every single day. And we have had um, officers injured numerous times, countless times over the years. We had a sheriff deputy that was killed in a foot pursuit not too many years ago in our community. And obviously community members get hurt during uh, interactions like that, foot pursuits and, and physical struggles. And so it is pertinent whether it can apply at the end of the day ultimately to to the uh, to Mr. Clark's shooting or not, it's still pertinent to what we do every day because this is a very common occurrence. Well, you talked about running. I forget how many blocks you said a few minutes ago chasing somebody. <laughs> With all that gear on, I mean, how far can you be expected to run chasing some guy who's probably in tennis shoes? <laughs> well, now that all depends on who you are. So some people can run forever, and some people might have a half a block in them. But, yeah, it's usually, <laughs> yeah. it could be 30 plus pounds extra on you right. wearing everything with the vest and the belt and everything. So yeah, it's uh you know, there's some people that are really fast. So they try to catch you right away before it gets too many blocks before they peter out. That's what I do with my kids because I'm older. <laughs> I got to catch them right away right. or I'm not going to catch them. Yeah. Right. Chief. That's now absolutely. listen, I'm not saying I have buddies who are nearing retirement in law enforcement, but uh, some have suggested that's the case who say it's about the fences. They say, I don't have any more fences in me going up and over fences. Cause you guys do a lot of that. Well, I, I've seen uh, various different strategies in my career. Some people run through fences, <laughs> and some people run over fences. But, you know, now that you mentioned fitness, you know, we got this fitness challenge coming up here uh, next month that raises money for the youth programs in our city. So, you know, that might be one way for the both of you to, to test how far you could actually chase somebody uh, uh, down. You know, this interview was going pretty well until that moment. Why don't you yeah. mind your own business? Yeah. Well, I- Sacramento Police Chief Daniel Hahn is on the line. Uh, actually, I saw the uh, the lip sync challenge the yes. uh, Sacramento Police Department did. Very good work. Thank you, sir. Super big on Facebook, I guess, and just online is very groovy. If you haven't seen it, we'll have a link at uh, the website. Hey, on a more serious note, though, uh, here's another thing we've talked about a fair amount on the show. Uh, to what extent are the police now in charge of dealing with the mentally ill in California or in America? Yeah, that's a great question. So... Um, you know, we're not always the best equipped, you know, we're not full blown social workers or mental health workers, but the reality is, is that we, when, when something plays out in the street, we're the ones people call. And so we have to be good at it and we have to continue to get better. And one of the ways we're doing that as we speak is creating a mental health team where we're bringing on a a full-time social worker uh, that will partner with a Lieutenant and we'll have a crew of officers that have above and beyond the 40 hours training we give all of our officers. And not only will they respond if they're able to, to a call with somebody in mental health crisis, but they'll also basically have a caseload, if you will, for the chronic uh, mental health uh, crisis folks. And so we can hopefully keep that from playing out to the point in our streets that people get harmed or the, the person themselves gets harmed. And so we think that will work uh uh, really well and help prevent not only will it cut down on calls but it'll help prevent officers and somebody in mental health crisis getting into those situations where something bad can happen so we have a lot of hope for that and we're just creating that right now on uh earlier stuff we were talking about i if i remember right the percentages are very low of police officers who ever fire their gun in their career is that correct that is correct like you know i've even been shot at but i've never fired my gun in my entire interesting career. but how what percentage of police officers uh, pull their weapon at some point and have it pointed at somebody. Is that practically everybody? 
Uh, that's almost on a daily basis. Okay, so that that's something. I mean, you you can go through your whole career and never fire it, but you got it pointed at somebody, and you got some serious decisions to make in a split second. And that's everybody has to do that. Yeah, I think if you go back about seven months ago, we had a, a, a shooting off of Franklin Boulevard where the suspect was wanted for a double homicide, where he killed his girlfriend and his girlfriend's um, daughter, and they finally caught up to him off of Franklin on a. In it, driving his truck, and they did what we call a felony vehicle stop. So they're all fanned out behind the suspect's car with their guns out, pointing to him. He got out of the car and he got off multiple rounds at the officers before they were ever ever able to fire back, and they were already pointing their guns at him. That that's the reaction time, and that's the one where two of our officers were shot. Uh, listen, here's um, well, actually, a technical question before I get into philosophy. Um, how is the technology of non-lethal force coming along? Because that would be such a cure-all uh, if you could keep the cops safe and neutralize suspects without the loss of life. Especially That's for the mentally ill. Well, right. Yeah. Isn't that everybody's dream come true? Yes, and so they do fit a lot of situations, but there's some situations like the one I just stated, the less lethal would not oh, sure. be appropriate for that. But yeah, so we've done a lot in the last year for that. So every officer has a beanbag shotgun, every team has pepper ball guns, ballistic shields in every single car, um, and now we have also um, uh, uh, the, like, they're basically shoot baton rounds. And so they all do a little bit different things from different ranges. But, yes, so we are much more capable of not only um, having those pieces of equipment, but in the hands of the officers that are out on the street every day. So, And they, they're used fairly regularly. How, how much would that beanbag slow me down if I'm running? Uh, oh, it, it will not tickle. Let's, uh, let's try and, it and once or twice. the baton round will even tickle even less. So, yeah. I mean, it won't, it won't you know... Uh, you know, kill you or anything, but it will knock you down and get, and you know, daze you enough to where the officers can run up on you and get you right. in handcuffs. And like, if you're holding a knife, you're probably going to drop that as you get hit with one of those. That's and so, great, and that's really what yeah. what we want, right? We need other tool. We need to put enough tools in our officers' hands so when they come across these situations, because regardless of what state that person's in, if they're about ready to kill you, you have to do something. Sure. Sacramento Police Chief Daniel Hahn is on the line. And listen, this is the kind of question that really would require a book to answer, but I'm going to ask you to answer it in about two minutes. Um, If a cop takes on all the pain of what he sees, um, it'll make him crazy. Um, You can't do that. You have to develop a shell to some extent. Um, And you might describe it a little differently, um, but I've known plenty of cops and talked to them about it. At the same time, if you start to dehumanize the people you're policing, that can lead to some really ugly stuff, which we see in the headlines all the time. Uh, How much do you guys talk about that? How difficult is that to remain aware of people's humanity without taking on all their grief and pain? Well, the second... Uh, part that you talked about, the dehumanizing part, we deal a lot with and we talk a lot about that. And that's the reason why we take all of our academy graduates shortly after they graduate the academy. And we do a day of service out in the neighborhood. This couple of weeks ago, we did it out in Del Paso Heights. And then we have a big barbecue together with the community. And then we sit down, the new recruits with the community sit down and talk about 
these issues that are talked about every day in our society. And then they do a walk in my shoes where we partner them up with a community leader in a neighborhood that they're not from. And so they can learn about, uh, and really, like you just mentioned, humanize people in a neighborhood where they don't have any experience other than maybe on the news or what they see around, which is often not the most positive things about neighborhoods like Del Paso Heights. But if you grew up in Del Paso Heights, you'd know there's a lot, the vast majority of people there are great people, but you don't hear about them typically unless you're there. Mm -hmm. The first part about the officers themselves, yes, officers, they, they see things that no human being should see, and they see it on a regular basis, and that does take its toll. Now, where we've come from when I started 31 years ago to now is a long, long ways. We have peer support. We have the availability of, of counseling and things like that, but we still need to progress even more. I mean, that is an area that we need to constantly uh, get better at, and it's definitely, um, as you said, you know, officers are seeing things every day, and then tomorrow, showing back up to work. I say this um, quite frequently, you know, these large um, tragedies that happen across the country, whether it's a shooting or, or something involving the police department, it, it the way social media and everything is now, it, it really feels like it's in your own backyard whenever it happens because it's so readily available. Um, and most people, you know, get upset about that, obviously. Um, but the police officer has to come back to work the next day. And they might be in one of those very same situations the next day as they are going through the same issues that the entire country is going through. So that is a big area that we need to continue to get better. But we have gotten a lot better from when I started. Sacramento Police Chief Daniel Han, Chief, we sure appreciate the uh, conversation, and let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Great to talk to you. Thanks. Well, on that last part, what we expect out of cops, if you're a parent, have you ever yelled at your kids and wished you hadn't? I know that's impossible, I think, that you're going to say, no, you haven't done that. Mm -hmm. And that's with not even, you know, a smidgen of the amount of strain and stress that you're under as a cop. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Good conversation. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting, particularly, and I'd never heard anybody ask this, I don't think. Because you hear over and over that most cops never fire their weapon, but they have their weapon pointed at somebody on like a daily basis. Right. Which has got the full weight of having to fire your weapon. Right. Sure, I know what you mean. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, text line 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, lots of glowing texts, best interview ever, uh, that sort of thing. I mention that because I get enough freaking hate from you people. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Over and over again. So it's nice to get a little praise now and then. No kidding. (laughs) But yeah, that was was really interesting conversation with with a uh, police chief, so... Uh, check that out. We also have our podcast with Mike Lyons available at armstrongandgetty.com. Or- Solid hour with Mike Lyons. Yeah. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? California firefighters losing ground battling the state's largest wildfire. When you snooze, you lose in more ways than one in Donald Trump's special message for Democrat Maxine Waters. <laughs> awesome. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
Elizabeth Warren. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Elizabeth Warren may have uh, had uh, pulled off a master stroke to become the nominee for 2020. Really? Her big announcement today, yes. Well, I have a story about how she just stepped in it, but who knows? I, okay. I, 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 She's going to be tough to uh, beat. She's old. I don't know why everybody's got to be so old, but that's just what we want in America, I guess. Anyway, maybe we'll get to that today. I don't know. Let's get to the news now with Marshall Phillips. Uh, California's largest wildfire is still growing. Firefighters now losing ground. The Cal Fire, or Cal Fire, rather, says the ranch fire gained nearly 10,000 acres overnight. It's up to 315,000 acres. Which one's that again? That is the Mendocino Complex, uh, the two fires yeah. in the Mendocino Complex fire. The ranch fire is the larger of those two fires, 315,000 acres. Containment slipping from 68% down to 64%. The fire now covers parts of four counties. On the plus side, the Holy Fire in Southern California's Cleveland National Forest, that's 59% uh, contained. It's burning in and around Lake Elsinore. You got smoke from wildfires dramatically affecting air quality all along the West Coast from Seattle to Portland and on into California. Mm. The L.A. subway system is going to become the first in the U.S. to install body scanners that can screen passengers for weapons and explosives. The portable scanners project waves that do full body scans of passengers while they walk through stations without slowing them down. I've always wondered that when I get on a a subway or a light rail or a Amtrak or anything, the complete lack of security for them, which doesn't worry me, it just seems interesting, since we're so over the top with our security at the airport. These uh, can scan more than 2,000 passengers an hour and detect suspicious items from 30 feet away. So people uh, will be notified they're going to be subject to uh, scanner screening, and if you don't uh, want to be screened, you're not going to be able to get on the subway. A man with a fanny pack, that's a suspicious item. There you go. Well, I bet the first couple of weeks of that are going to be a little intense as people who tend to carry, say, firearms around might not get the word. And so a lot of people are going to be showing up, jumping on trains with guns, and then somebody's going to have to do something about it, I guess. Stop, my friends, hitting the snooze button. It will mess up your entire day. Expert, Mind your own business. Experts, I wish I could. It's dumb. It's dumb. I'm much it's better. Not dumb. Right? I'm much better off in my deep sleep for another 15 minutes than laying there half awake. I will get up in eight minutes if you let me snooze for eight more minutes. It's the bargain I strike with myself every I day, see. and it works. We have reached an agreement, Marshall. <laughs> Why are you trying to whiz upon it? Well, experts at Sleep Clinic Services say hitting the snooze makes your brain release hormones, which would usually send you into a deep sleep when you've only got a few minutes left to sleep. And? This causes sleep inertia or a groggy feeling that will stick with you through much of the day. Wow, wow, wait a minute. Now I'm curious. The experts say, you know, the start of a sleep cycle is not a good time for being jolted awake by your alarm again. Huh. I can kind of believe this whole sleep cycle thing, but I'm never going to take the time to, you know, measure out the hours to get it right. It's interesting to me that genetically... You're either a you wake right up or not person, it right. would seem to me, because I'm, I'm instantly awake, as alert as I get within seconds of waking up. My wife's a very slow, got to get my coffee, don't talk to me yet, what day is this right. sort of person. Mm-hmm. And then I've got one each with my sons, and it's just, you're just born that way or not. 
Well, Matt Lauer is reportedly agreeing to a $20 million divorce settlement and anything else his about-to-be-ex-wife wants. Man, I'd marry Matt Lauer and put up with you-know-what for a while if I could get 20 mil on the way out. New York Post says the divorce is in its final stages and Lauer agreed to the multi-million dollar payout out of guilt for having multiple affairs with women at work and becoming a poster boy, boy for the Me Too movement when NBC fired him last fall. You hit a rape button on your desk, for crying out loud. His office was a sex dungeon. It's Maxine Waters' 80th birthday, and Donald Trump sent out a tweet to her this morning saying, Happy birthday to the leader of the Democrat Party, Maxine Waters. Oh, boy. Hilarious. The only thing Waters wants for her birthday today is for President Trump to be impeached. Those are the greetings and messages being sent back and forth. Of course, uh, Donald Trump had sent other messages to Waters before this. Maxine Waters, she's a real beauty. Crazy Maxine. Low IQ person. There you go. That's a wrap. Did he ever call her a dog? I remember a couple of weeks ago, while we were uh, off for a day, when he did one of his rallies, he said, Bernie Sanders, you hear him today? That is one weird dude. (laughs) Wow. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. <laughs> oh, boy. So wake me up and they'll tease you with Elizabeth Warren's, Warren's political masterstroke. Yeah. All right. Among other things. Tell you what, be a heck of a choice. We got a lot of texts about the Catholic Church. I don't know if I can work back up that emotion. Well, let's let the people do the talking, huh? Oh, it's interactive, God. Jack. A terrible freaking story. Oh, it's unforgivable. The petering out next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the, of nation. the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Couple of follow-ups. Alex Jones has been suspended from Twitter. Remember, Twitter uh, held firm. They weren't going to ban him like Facebook and Apple and iTunes and all the people did. Uh, he crossed one of their lines when he said citizens need to have bat- their battle rifles ready at their bedsides. Yeah, and battle rifles was a call for violence or something. So he's he can't tweet, retweet, or have any other posts on Twitter for seven days. That'll show him. That'll teach him. Another follow up. <clears throat> Remember the mystery pooper superintendent? Somebody was pooping around the school every single day. 50-yard line of the football stadium. It was a daily occurrence, and they wondered what kind of weirdo would be doing this. And then they got video, and it was the superintendent. (laughs) Superintendent Chalmers was pooping around the school. Skinner. (laughs) Anyway, he's going to receive more than $100,000 from the District of New Jersey. All kinds of uh, vacation, payout, a variety of things. He's going to leave his job as a guy who is pooping around the school. Right. Taxpayers get to pay him another hundred grand because that's the deal they've got. Right? Makes perfectly good sense, doesn't it, citizens? Wow. My only question is, where am I going to start <laughs> around here? <laughs> I got some pooping to do. <laughs> oh, God. 
Jeez. So, Elizabeth Warren, we can talk more about this uh, tomorrow, get into the details. I don't think you need the details because most people don't ever get into the details. So right. she's she's uh, introduced a bill called the Accountable Capitalism Act, which is a great name since, like I said, half the people will never get past the name of it. Right. And it's... Um, I believe in accountable capitalism. Right. So it's... She, she's... I don't know what she if she's looking at the polls or she's trying to differentiate herself from the Bernie uh, she, she Guevara crowd or whatever. So she's got capitalism in the name and talks about how she just wants to make capitalism better. And that's going to be her big thing. And I think that's going to separate her from that other crowd <laughs> by government controlling it. Good. Well, that's not going to matter. Super. The details will not matter. Mm. Well, you just you, you give too much credit to the, the, the voting public. I believe she legislates with forked tongue. All right. An Indian shot is what that is. <laughs> Focahontas. Claim you're an Indian a couple of times, and it turns out you're not true, and people just won't let it go. You should have gone to 23andMe. So we'll talk about you that more later. You submit one recipe to Pow Wow Chow, which is a real thing that she did. Yes. And uh, people will never let you forget it. <laughs> Pow Wow Chow. What did I find out I am? I forgot to talk to my brother about that, because he paid the money to do the 23andMe thing. You're heavily Viking. Oh, yeah. Big big on the Viking. Oh, yeah. yeah that's yeah. why I'm wearing the helmet with the horns. I, you'd have thought I remembered. Yeah, building management makes you uh, wants you to move your long boat, by the way, <laughs> jamming up the fire lane. Um, praise continuing to come in for our interview with the uh, the police chief because uh, people loved it so much. Chief Hans Steaks, uh, strikes me as a really good man. I, you know, I, maybe I'm easily duped, but I think he is uh, exactly the sort of guy an urban police uh, department needs. We should mention our um, long form podcast we did with Mike Lyons. He's the military analyst that we've been talking to for years. We talked to him for it an needs hour. a name. It really needs a name. What do you think the name ought to be? I mean, because it's Applebee's, like Applebee's. That's a name. You like that as a name? <laughs> the Beatles. Um, <laughs> it's like saying you really need to check out our new bunch of songs on one record. How about I mean, we call just... it the Carol Burnett Show? Oh, okay. All right. Anybody else got it's another one before we move but... on? It's kind of confusing, Michael. You're right. A and G Unleashed. Cracker Jacks is a good name. Um, <laughs> Just call it A and G Uncensored, even though you guys haven't sworn on it. Have you guys sworn on it yet? Uh, there was a Bolesque bomb. Hey, there. there you go. But Uncensored. I think it was uh, Lara Logan who dropped it. Yeah, that's right. We had a guest drop an S bomb, and I, I hope nobody listened to it not knowing that. Do we have the little E next to it so people don't <laughs> listen to it with their children? <laughs> that's right. Explicit. Um, but anyway, we talked to our military analyst, Mike Lyons, for a whole hour about what it's like to be in the military and the military now versus years ago and military families and the challenges. It's, it's pretty dang interesting. The Pentagon is a bureaucracy, what it does well, what it does poorly. It's available at armstrongandgetty.com, iTunes, which is the platform, I guess, for podcasts yeah. for some reason. Yeah, let's um, let's hit folks with a clip or two from it tomorrow. Don't let us forget. How about this name, Major League Baseball? Uh, you like right. that for a name? You know what? There's copyright stuff. That <laughs> we we'll get it. To... We get the both well, of you. I'm just. I'm not sure why that makes it has to have a name. Every podcast has a name. It's it's just like an album. It's Confucius. Knowledge begins by calling thing by a proper name. That that's wow. how it starts. Wow. I, now I we're demean, demeaning the chin. Never mind. I didn't know that. Can't talk. Aerosmith is up on the Today Show. Bunch what of old. This way? Bunch of old men jumping around, and apparently it's because they're opening their Vegas show. I didn't know they were doing that. Oh, yeah. So they're going to do the permanent residence, make gazillions of dollars. Not have to trek around the country. For a a certain age demographic, right. You don't have to to reset up your stuff. You don't have to jump on a plane. 
you just stay in at the in a giant suite in a fantastic hotel and make crazy money like garth is doing like britney's doing like celine's doing like elton did that's where the real money is you got to be a big enough act to pull it off yeah that people are going to go on vacation and say you know what we should do while we're on vacation go see aerosmith tonight right you can even rent a house for 10 gur a month there in uh in vegas and commute steven tyler looks exactly like he, he i mean he's had work done but i mean yeah, just don't get the camera too close his his body his jumping around same as it was in 1980 um, the the drummer, he's seventy years old, you know. He's Elizabeth Warren's age. Yes, <laughs> the drummer and the bass player particularly look like old men in vests. Well, they they are is the thing. <laughs> Check back with me when I'm seventy wearing a vest. Well, yeah, but it's just it's interesting that he looks so much the same, and every bit yeah. is jumping around and throwing the microphone around and stuff like that. Well, yeah, he probably comes to a band meeting and says, "I think we all ought to get plastic surgery and a lot of tanning." And the bass player and the rhythm guitar guy and the drummer are like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you got to. No. Uh, come up with ticket price for me on Aerosmith at some point, maybe tomorrow. I'm guessing like all those concerts is crazy expensive. Yeah. You know, uh, there are not a lot of bands, like big bands, I'm going to schlep to a stadium show for at this point in my life. Partly because, as we were discussing during the commercials, I can go onto YouTube and see any number of their shows in the comfort of my own home wearing great headphones, and nobody's going to, like, spill a beer on me. Um, but if I'm in Vegas, sure, and all I have to do is stroll into a hotel up the stairs and then show them my ticket. And you just ate and had a couple of drinks and right over there, Vegas, uh, Aerosmith's playing? Yeah. Right. Don't have to, yeah. No driving, no parking, no traffic on the way out. Cheapest tickets, 180 bucks each. 180 for the cheap ones. Cha-ching! God, they're going to print money. What do you do? Oh, my goodness. Orchestra, like 1,000 each, 1,500. Oh, come on. It keeps going. 17? Oh, do we have two? We have 2,000 on the main floor. (laughs) Wow. What's the matter with you? You're paying two gur to see Aerosmith. And I love Aerosmith. It's one of the great bands of all time. Hey, I thought they were famous for, since they're all sober, that they don't allow any booze in their stadium at the shows. What? Well, they. I thought that was a thing. Uh, maybe none backstage. I don't know. Um, what do you do with more money when you're Steven Tyler? What are you going to get? Some more scarves? <laughs> Silk's expensive. <laughs> Buy nicer scarves? What are you going to do with more money at his age? Anywho. I say final. You say thoughts. Final. Thoughts. Final. Thoughts. I mean, he could just plain honestly enjoy it, but he never thinks, as soon as he hears, that he thinks, I have to sing this again. <laughs> he never thinks that. I'd rather be by the lake with my grandkids. <laughs> right. Yeah. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Smith, Walker this way. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Not amusing. Let's get a final thought from everybody. Hey, Positive Sean, what's your final thought? Yeah, the the two thousand dollars for the main floor for Aerosmith seems good, but I think I'm going to save up and get the three thousand dollar VIP stage right tickets. That's why I can catch some sweat when they're dancing around. <laughs> you know, old man sweat. Wow, you got unlimited cash if you're spending that. <laughs> Marshall Phillips, your final thought, my friends. Be kind to elephants; they may be the cure for cancer. Confused? Check out the podcast. Uh, beautiful. Hey, uh, Michelangelo, what's your final thought? Yeah, whenever you hear horrible news stories like today, remember there are a lot more good people out there. It's hard, you know. 
Oh, I see. I thought it this sounded year. like your sentence got choked off there, like you had some spit go down the wrong pipe or something. No, just a lot uh, more good people than bad people. Of out course, there. yeah, absolutely true. Jack, do you have a final thought for us? But there's way too many bad people. I don't even know how to engage this Catholic Church story. I mean, seriously. And this has been going on for decades. Well, in reality, it's been going on for maybe centuries. But we've known about it for decades, and still it's happening. How how can the Catholic Church not put enough pressure on themselves or something to change this? Yeah, final thought. Look at every large organization, particularly powerful ones, with constant abiding suspicion all the time. Because they deserve it. I'm not paranoid. I just have my eyes open. I'm not running some conspiracy theory website here. I'm just telling you that whether it's the Catholic Church or the Pentagon or the federal government or whatever, they're out for themselves. It's human nature. It's unfortunate, but we're a nasty beast. I know I am. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people, thanks a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com for the clicks we've mentioned. You can email us anytime, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. If there's something we ought to be talking about, send it along. Want to react to something we said? That's fine. Try to be civilized, would you? A grand or more to sit up close for Aerosmith in Vegas. Uh-uh. I'll tell you. Yeah, it's uh-uh. your money. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. Sorry for the delay. We just got to change 800,000 AA batteries. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.